0: Greetings. Welcome to season one, episode 24 of the Legacy Drawing Board, the podcast journey experience that wants you to build a stronger, more meaningful legacy by embracing good design principles. I'm your host, Ron Fong. Beyond welcoming you, I need to acknowledge you by hearing about your stories regarding legacy and legacy building. This helps me have a better understanding of what it takes to be a good legacy builder. Today, we will hear from Kelly, who's a social worker and a wife and a mom.
1: Hi, my name is Kelly, and I am technically in the generation. It's a micro generation called the Xennials, or as I like to say, Generation Catalano. Actually, the Internet says, but I've adopted it. So it's on the cusp of Generation X and the Millennials. from the birth year 77 to 85 and this generation is unique as they had an analog childhood and a digital youth and they're not quite as disaffected as the generation generation x um not as optimistic as the millennials and i identify with this micro generation but not either of the other ones so it's kind of unique okay so for in terms of legacy and how i define it um i would I honestly kind of feel like I did not think about legacy very much or prioritize it um, until you, Dr. Fong, started talking about it in your podcast. And then I kind of started thinking about, like, why is it important? What makes it important? And I thought about kind of like religion and how sometimes, you know, it's what's left of you after you're gone. And if you don't believe in an afterlife, it's kind of mainly where I'm at. Um, like, how do you, like, what makes a legacy important? Um, so I kind of started thinking about that a lot. And throughout the course of my life, it was important for different re- reasons. Um, the younger part of me didn't really feel like it was important. Um, and maybe, like, the young adult part of me was thinking more about, like, my goals in the world and making my way through the world. Um, but now that I have kids, it's different. Um you know, they're like the driving pulse of my life, um, and, you know, I kind of think of them as my legacy, um, you know, aside from teaching them the practical things like good values and supporting their passions and leaving with them something something um, financially, um, thinking about my larger legacy is... Um, was, in terms of career and other things. And the way I leave the world is something I'm, I'm contemplating more now as I'm in middle, um, middle life. Um, I have a lot of quotes and things, but I don't, (laughs) um, I looked up something from Stephen Hawking who said the purpose of life, um, is that we should, we should seek the greatest value of our action. Just the simple fact of being alive at all was unlikely. Given that it relied on tiny changes in the very early universe that spawned this world around us, it is a matter of chance which we are in. Um, so I kind of think about, I interpret the notion of legacy um, in, in that all the good we put into our children and our community and our planet make things better. And that's kind of the way in which we continue on after we're gone. Um, um, I I kind of believe in the idea of um, to heal the world, which is um, a concept I learned through my husband, who's Jewish. Um, I can't pronounce the way you say it in Hebrew. I wish I could, but to heal the world means to um So I guess this whole idea of legacy really brought up for me a lot of like questioning about the deeper meaning of life um, because I, I couldn't frame the meaning of legacy without framing my idea of, you know, what's meaningful in life and what matters and what matters after you're gone, especially in the absence of a definitive view on higher powers, which I don't have. Um, but I, I started thinking, um, I read this book by um, the Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh and he talks about how everyone's primal need is to have someone say to them, I see you and I'm here for you. And I annoy my kids by saying that to them a lot and they're like, mom, stop (laughs) it. But it's, I feel like that's one of the most important things you can bring to the world and to the table. Um, As a social worker, we do that and I think it gets um, maybe not as recognized or maybe diminished but the ability to um to bear witness to someone's story to someone's struggle to someone's humanity is huge it's transformative um and in thinking about legacy and several people just recently that i was kind of peripherally connected to and the impact that they had um my youngest son is 11, but when he was in kindergarten, there was this guy named Grandpa Mike who taught, who volunteered a couple times a week and taught all the kids to read. Um, so like three times a week, I think, for a couple hours. And it was long after his grandchild had been in kindergarten like 10 years. And he just recently died. And they had this little email they sent out. And although it's been a long time since I sat in the classroom with Grandpa Mike and, you know, he would always say, hi, Kelly, and he knew me, and he knew the teacher, and at the end of the day, the teacher would say, oh, thank you so much, Grandpa Mike, and he'd say the The joy was mine, so they're dedicating this little plot of, like, a garden at the school where my kids go to him, and they were saying that he, the, his little corner of the world is better for his existence, and just although it's been so long since I've seen or talked to him, he made me feel seen and heard, and all, every little kid, like, he came and taught them the practical skill of reading, which requires a lot of patience (laughs) and time um, but he made them feel seen and respected for who they are and I think that's huge Um, and just going off of that as well my kids had a swim teacher who was very similar in nature and after he died my kids took it incredibly hard Um, harder than a lot of you know family members that they might have you would have thought they would have responded differently but he was their swim coach and he sat with them and he talked to them and he made them feel seen and heard and you know loved so i think at the end of the day if i can do that with people if i can you know honor their humanity and give them my time and attention i think that might be good enough for me for legacy at least for now until i figure some more things out (laughs) That's it. Thanks, Dr. Fong.
0: It's encouraging when I hear people giving greater thought to their legacy, the fact that they have not thought about it before. And when it's brought up to them, they realize how important it is. The components are there, their jobs, their family, their dreams, their aspirations. And now by bringing it to the forefront, by articulating it, it gives them greater clarity. Kelly talked about her children, what lessons she wants to impart to them, She talks about healing the world, and the interconnections from that. That comes from her work as a social worker. She's seen, on a daily basis, broken lives, and seen how people's legacies have gone sideways. Now she sees herself in terms of the mother, but also for the future generations. Going forward, she wants to make the world a better place, and I think that's a very worthwhile legacy. For today's episode, I'm going to talk about culture. Peter Drucker, who's a business leader and very prominent in terms of business school teachings, had a very famous quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Think about culture. We talk about it a great deal. We talk about the toxic work culture or toxic culture workplaces to the winning cultures in the locker room. Culture is so strong, it is so powerful, and it's going to be part of your legacy building because it will help guide you as to what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. I want to give greater definition and articulation to culture. I'm reading from Normal Organizational Wrongdoing, which is a business textbook from Donald Palmer. In it, he writes, Cultural content consists of norms, values, and beliefs and assumptions that specify appropriate ways of thinking and acting in a social context. A strong culture has many forms that convey the same message or multiple interrelated messages to which employees adhere religiously. A weak culture has few forms that convey different and contradictory messages. The employees freely ignore. That applies to the workplace, where you wrote specifically for the workplace. It also has application in terms of your personal life. Think about the culture in your family. What were the norms? What were the signals in terms of what was considered appropriate behavior? And culture is, is yes, the way we talk, but it's about messaging. And messaging goes back to your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. One example of messaging is baseball's unwritten rules. There's a set of norms, uh, acceptable behaviors. Never, it's not written in the rule book itself, but it would be not acceptable if you violated these uh, these engagements. One is you, you don't steal a base when you're up by a certain number of runs at a, uh, by a certain time in the, uh, late in the game. That was a cultural norm. It was seen as bad sportsmanship. Although it's not illegal or not a, it's not forbidden in the rule book. It used to be that you, when you hit a home run off the pitcher, you didn't show the pitcher up. You went around your about your business and you rounded your bases in a very workmanlike fashion. We see that culture does change. Now we see the bat flip. Now we see celebrations. Not sure it is necessarily good or bad, but again. The culture has changed and that type of behavior, that is now the norm in which players are more expressive. Think back to the movie, The Untouchables, uh, the one starring uh, Sean Connery and uh, Kevin Costner. And there's a, a great scene where Kevin Costner as Elliot Ness seeks the help of Robert, um, Sean Connery in terms of bringing down Al Capone. They're in a church. And uh, Kevin Costner says, you know, I need your help. Sean Connery answers him by giving him a very concise lesson in terms of Chicago culture. He says to him, you want to take down Ness? This is how you do it. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He puts one of yours in the hospital, you put one of his in the morgue. And that is the Chicago way. And that's how you're going to put away Elliot Ness. Uh, I'm sorry, Not guys I'm going to put away uh, Al Capone. That obviously is a very harsh uh, example of culture, but it gets the picture. It conveys what is acceptable, what the standards are, and the lines that you can cross. Going back to culture for business world, I think a prime example was the culture at Enron. I don't think their mission statement said, we are here to cook the books and basically rob people blind but that's what they did, and it was the culture. And so many times we think about process, we think about uh, manuals, we think about operations, but it's people making decisions. And that's where the power of the culture is, is that if you're not firmly entrenched in what it's important to you, what your values are, then you'll be led astray. Same thing with your, with your legacy building. You have to have your true leader, your true north. I talked about this in episode 17. The true north guides you and it's the culture that you're in whether it's at the home or in the office is it going to support your true north or is it going to hinder you there's gonna be a difference between confusion and conflict there'll be times when you're confused because you're not sure which way to go you're going to need more information there's a degree of uncertainty and then there's conflict a stark contrast a conflict is when you know what is right and what is wrong yet the temptations are doing wrong are so strong that you start considering it. Are you going to be in a culture that says, no, we don't give in to temptation. We don't cut corners. We don't take shortcuts. We do things the right way. The, when you think about toxic cultures or bad cultures, you're going to find that boils down to a lack of leadership. There's a There's a vacuum. And when you don't have leaders that will lead and do the right things, then all of a sudden things break loose. As we talked about before, uh, a weak culture, you're going to have many differing messages. That is not going to be a standard that we just do things the right way. You're going to do, well, here and there, it'll be, you know, case by case exception. Let's cut corners here. That's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Talked about leadership in episodes six, seven, and 18. And that when there's no leadership, there is no legacy. These things are intertwined. As you're going forth in terms of building your legacy, establish your true north. Know what will guide you in terms of the toughest times. And then look for people that will help reinforce that. Seek situations in which there is a culture that aligns with your true north. And as you're building your legacy and as you're going towards your true north, You're going to grow in your leadership and your leadership will speak volumes. It will tell people that this is the way we're headed. This is the decisions that we will make, that we can live with, that we will not have regrets and that that's just the right thing to do. That is our true north. As you're building your legacy, ask yourself, what is my culture? What do I accept? What are my norms? What is my messaging to people when I interact with them? And again, just like baseball's unwritten rules, culture is so powerful that it doesn't always need words. You know when you walk into a business by their furniture, how clean their uh, uh, surroundings are, you know you get a sense of culture. When you walk into someone's home and you see what's on the walls, Uh, whether it's family pictures or whatever, you know there's a sense of culture there. That's how powerful it is. And that's your legacy. You're sending a message, even when you're not there, of what to do, how to do it, and why we're doing it. Culture. Think about your culture and think about whether your legacy, as you're building it, is it contributing to a positive culture? Is it one of those things where as you are, your messaging is letting people know that, yes, we're going to do things the right way, and here's how we're going to help it, and here's how we're going to support each other in terms of doing the right thing. Think about that, all the aspects as you want to incorporate into your legacy. The legacy of culture building, doing the right thing, and adhering to your true north. Those are worthwhile, very worthwhile pursuits. Talked about earlier, and again, as you design your legacy, adhering to the principles of good design, I reference uh, to Dieter uh, Rahm's uh, 10 Principles of Good Design. For culture, it is aligned with his uh, number six uh, principle, which is good design is honest. It does not make a product more innovative, powerful, or valuable than it really is. It does not attempt to manipulate the consumer with promises that cannot be kept. Your legacy in terms of culture, it's honesty. The raw, unmediated honesty that what you say is what you're going to do and that you're not going to trick people. You're not going to try to pull the wool over their eyes. You're not going to try to cheat them. Think about people's legacies and where there's wrongdoing, going back to Enron, that is their legacy, that they abandon the design principle of honesty. What were they designing? They were designing this seat. Be very careful as you go along in terms of your stages of legacy building that you have immersed yourself in a culture that will support it. In turn, As you get more comfortable with this, as you see more, do more, realize that your legacy building is going to have impact on other people. Kelly talked about that, how her impact is on the people that she sees as a social worker, the impact that she has on her children. What lessons are you going to impart to others in terms of your legacy building? How are you going to contribute to the culture? And is it going to be that consistent message that even though there'll be many forms or interactions, it comes down to a unifying message that has been guided by your true north. Why? Why is this important? This is important because we have a parallel process of building legacies and cultures. The two are intertwined and mixed in with that comes the result of leadership. By understanding the importance of culture, you have raised your awareness of your surroundings. You are now going to engage in a more meaningful manner because you see what is before you, you see what is surrounding you, and you see the messaging is going on. You can reinforce the positive ones, and you could say no or stop the negative ones. Culture, strong cultures have a unifying message. And your legacy should also have a unifying message because your legacy is your message. I thank you for the people who have taken the time to listen. Very grateful, including uh, Andrew Piper, who's following on the Podbean uh, app. Very grateful for that. Please send me your, your thoughts, your comments uh, to my email address, which is rfong.com at truenorthshepherding.com And if you're interested in exploring more about how to build your legacy uh, through design principles, I invite you to visit my website which is truenorthshepherding.com and sign up for a complimentary session on how to begin your journey towards intentional actions. My next episode, I'm very excited to announce that I will have my first uh, interview guest. She is Oma Rastami, who's the co-owner of Life Options for Senior, and her legacy story consists of her being a war war refugee from Afghanistan, entrepreneur, business owner, wife, mother, and philanthropist. Until next time, please give your legacy the attention it deserves, because when you do, we all benefit.